Welcome everyone to Who Told You with Veronica Best. It has been a minute. The last time I did an episode was February 2020. So here we are three years later, <laughs> made it back. Um, I wanted to just start off saying that um, for all of us, most of us, you know, are in some type of religious setting or come from a religious setting, especially here in America with all of our Judeo-Christian um, beliefs and systems and everything. There's so many things that um, we experience in America that actually have roots in a Christian, uh, in the Christian religion. So I wanted to talk today about the spirit of religion and how religion becomes a uh, a critical spirit. So, you know, the greatest uh, opposition that Jesus faced when he was on earth he would go around to marketplaces, streets. He would go to villages. He would go to houses. He would go to the the um, the temple. Oh, it just left me. Synagogue, temple, whatever. He would go to these places and he would perform miracles. And he would his whole purpose for coming to Earth was to die. Um, but you see, along the way, every time there was somebody that would pop up that would just be. Um, a religious spirit that would be a critical spirit and be like, oh, you're not supposed to heal on the Sabbath. Oh, she's not Jew. You can't heal her. Um, you can't minister to her. Or, oh, you can't take out a demon. Um, sorcerers do that. So you must be a sorcerer because you are performing an exorcism. You know, so you saw all these things um, that would oppose him. And ultimately, the people that killed him, even though he was supposed to die, the people that did it were religious. And you see that public enemy number one against Jesus was religious leaders. So if you could translate that over to our time, it would be church leaders. So um, there's actually a really cool verse. I don't know how cool it is because it's kind of scary, but it really opened my eyes. And that's Ezekiel 8, where Ezekiel has a vision. And it says that the angel of the Lord took Ezekiel into the temple and there was a hole in the wall. And then Ezekiel goes, why is there this hole in the wall? What's, what's up with that? And the angel takes him to the hole inside the wall, hiding in the wall were defiled animals. And, you know, in the Jewish religion, you weren't supposed to eat pork. You weren't supposed to eat, I think, anything hooved. Uh, like, anyway, all these rules, you can't eat shrimp. You can't eat, um, right? So they saw all these defiled animals in the hole of the wall of the temple. And so then Ezekiel goes, why are the, all these animals in the temple? Like they are not supposed to be here at all. That's like a big no-no. And the angel of the Lord says, the priests and the Levites put them here. So when David says better is one day than a thousand courts, than a thousand days elsewhere, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. A doorkeeper is a, a priest or a Levite. That's anybody in leadership in a church that you're a doorkeeper because you're protecting what comes in and out. So I have my friend here, Jordan. She is from a bloodline that is all in ministry and leadership. You know, I don't know if they all are, but very heavily involved in ministry. Um, and so am I, I'm a pastor's daughter. And then even before my dad got saved, um, my, he came from a Catholic background. They're heavily in the Catholic church, big time. So they, they were leaders too. So we all, you know, me and Jordan come from a bloodline and were raised in a religious life. So I just wanted um, Jordan to kind of give um, her feedback on that. And then also talk about, you know, I, uh, my kids are getting ready for school. So if you hear that noise, 
Um, don't let me forget, Jordan, to talk about the senses, the five senses, and how that af affects the religious spirit, because it's just something else cool. Anyway, go ahead. Um, yeah, so for me, um, something God's really been illuminating um, this past year, but especially in the last several months, is this critical spirit. And it's a lot of times it shows up as, you know, competitiveness, it's rooted in pride, um, you know, wanting to be noticed or seen or, or, you know, almost like feel better about yourself because of the things that you do for God. And that's ugly on a heart. And, um, I was, you know, just remembering a, a story, even just from this past weekend where, um, my son was practicing some music. He, he's interested in, in singing and, um, he was kind of not giving it as much effort as I thought he should give it. Um, and was reading lyrics instead of singing, just kind of like talking just how I am. And I said to him, come on, sing louder. Anybody can talk. And when I said those words, anybody can talk one, I noticed it was, it wasn't even a thought. It just came out of my mouth. And two, I recognized immediately that was a critical spirit. And so I didn't know what else to do other than start praying in tongues um, and knew that I was going to bring it to the Lord, bring it to my husband later to um, pray over because I want that out of my life. Like anything that is going to stand between me and God, I want it out. I want to burn it out. Um, let the Holy ghost burn it out. Um, and so I'm just really, I love this topic because I think it's not talked about enough because it's almost like, um, like iniquity. Like it's almost like a sin that people like to keep as a pet or something. What other things do you feel like you've noticed personally that are like the side effects of a critical spirit? What does it birth? Uh, performance-based mentality. Um, I would also say almost like this deep-rooted sense of unworthiness of like, if I just do enough, then I'll be good enough. If I can just, you know, get this position, if I can just be this successful in a sport even, or um, your work or whatever, it's seeking approval um, from the people in your life. And ultimately, like, we want to seek approval from God, right? And a life that's submitted to him. And we don't have to do anything for that because Jesus did it for us. Um, and so that's where it is. So for me, I think it is so tricky to stay, you know, um, lined up really. And, and a heart that's fully submitted to him, I'm constantly like, okay, Lord, you know, I submit to you. I consecrate myself to you. Like, show me the blind spot, show me anything that's not of you. Um, but it's, it's only come to light. I'm 34. It's only come to light so clearly to me in the last couple of years. I feel like too, like what you were saying, it's tricky because it's a balancing act. Once you get saved and you get into the church world, there's always this balancing act between what you're doing and what you believe, because you're like, okay, I love God. And I want to prove to God that I love God, but did I quit listening to secular music or did I quit doing drugs or sleeping around? Whatever it is that you shed, right? You, you, you're like, okay, I'm living for God now and I'm not going to do this. 
Are you doing it out of a heart of God lives with me? He's inside of me. And I want, I want to be with him. I want to honor him. Or are you doing it? Like you said, out of a performance-based heart where it's like, well, I want people to see how awesome I am, you know, or I want people to see how holy I am. And that is the nitty gritty of everything because you have the faith without works is dead. Right. So, okay. I got to do something. I got to do works. I got to prove I love God. Right. So how do you prove you love God? You go to church, you read your Bible, you pray, you give up things. You, you live a holy lifestyle. You're not cussing anymore. You're not, you know, whatever. But those works, those very works that you use in your life to show God how much you love him and translate or can move over to this area of religion where I'm just doing this because I have to do it because if I don't do it I'm going to hell or you know I mean whatever um so it it, it's it is a a tightrope and um I grew up in a Pentecostal church you know and so my parents were newly saved right before I got I was born so they went to churches you know at first um some of the circles they got into were like, you know, no pants kind of thing. That that whole no makeup, no pants thing. Um, and something that God showed me because when I started my ministry back in 2014, I would go to a lot of churches like that. Because I would, it, it was like, I was circulating Spanish churches all the time. I would go here, go there, blah, 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 blah. And a lot of the churches were like soaked in it. And I could feel it and I could sense it. and I could just see it, you know, whatever. And um, something that the Holy Spirit showed me that I was like, oh, it felt like a knife to the belly. And I was like, oh my God, is that you have five senses, right? So taste, touch, see, smell, hear. Taste, touch, hear. Wait, you get what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> it's like when you or anybody is operating in critical spirit, religious spirit, you're focused on what is produced by the five senses. What you can see in another person, what you can hear in another person, what you can, I mean, you're not tasting the other person, but it's, it's only grasped by your senses, not your spirit, your inner man, not your inside. So what I felt like was the product of religion and critical spirit is sensual, sensual behavior. So if you, if you look at religious people or critical people or whatever, I, I would say more in religious settings, Christian religious settings, there's a lot of sexual sin. Like if you notice, there's a lot of teen pregnancy or incest or um, adultery, fornication, because that is the one sin that you can perform with your body. Like the Bible says, Paul says, um, I think it's like second Corinthians 10 or nine. I don't know. Somewhere around there. He says, this is the one sin that you perform. If you sleep with a, he's talking about sleeping with a prostitute. And he says, if you sleep with a prostitute, your spirit has now joined with hers. And so it's like, that's the one thing that you can do with your body. So I feel like when you focus on criticism in the church, like, oh, well, you know, she didn't do this or whatever X, there's so many things that you can you can pick that that are religious it's like okay well why are you being so nitpicky about that you know are you doing it because you want people to 
praise you for being holy. But when you do that, it opens the door. I feel like it's connected to sensual sins, sins that are done through the senses, through the body. You become hyper-focused on the works, on the outside, on, you know, it's like, they're not even worried about what's going on the inside. You know, it's like, uh, there might be somebody who's still smoking, you know, whatever, but God is doing a work in their heart. Does that mean that they're going to go to hell and they're never going to be delivered from that addiction? No, they, they could eventually, you know, get, get delivered, but that doesn't mean that, oh, well, God's just not, you know, I, I need to address that, or I need to confront that, or I'm not going to hang around them because they're doing that. No, you know? So that was just something I wanted to touch on before our time is up. And I think we have nine minutes left. So yeah. What do you think about that? No, I fully agree. And as you were talking, um, it, it just came to me. Love also corrects. Right. And so while that is true, like we're also called to speak the truth in love. And I think when you're coming from a place of a critical spirit or a place of judgment, right. As a human, it's the truth, but no love. And it's really easy to be like, well, I tell it like it is, or I'm a truth person, or I, you know, I'm going to tell you what, how it really is, but is that always loving? And so if there is correction that needs to take place, you know, I absolutely pray before and really like go to the word. And what does the word say, right. About how to correct things in the church setting. Um, so I, that just came to mind when you were talking about, about that just now. Um, and I think, you know, the other thing that I experienced, um, with that really brought this critical spirit stuff to light is, um, it's almost like, because I was striving so hard to be a certain way and to show up a certain way, then I also expected anyone else who also said they were a Christian to do the same thing. And it's so easy to look at somebody else and be like, well, they're, they must not be close to God because they're not. Da, 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 da. And it's like, you know, the scripture says like, be holy as I am holy, but it also says only God can judge. And so, you know, really the focus has to be on your personal relationship with him. And that can only come from a place of humility. Um, so yeah, I love, I, like I said, I love this topic because it's just, there's so much here and it just doesn't get uncovered. And it's like, um, the roots can go really deep and, you know, to dig it out is a lot of work and the enemy would love to just keep it covered. Right. Cause then it's, you know, it's like that, what you were talking about, like the secret sin and the stuff that, that nobody wants to, to bring to light, but ultimately everything that is in darkness will be brought to light and yeah. so be purified. I feel like the safeguard would be if you're trying to live a life free of that, the safeguard would be, well, for me, maybe it's just a me thing, a personal thing. It's like, and this is very hard for me. I have to bite my tongue and I'm not always good at it. But if nobody asks you for advice, don't say anything. It's so hard for me to do that because anything given, any advice given, not asked for is critical. You're being critical, you know? So, and another thing is not to criticize up. So 
anybody that's over you, whether it's your husband, whether it's your pastor, your coach, I don't know, anybody that's placed an authority over you, you don't criticize. You just don't do it. If, if you notice something about them that you know is wrong or that can be improved, right, then take it to God. And I think that too, like you were saying, deep roots and personal time with your personal, with, with, with Jesus personally, that too, it's like when you're not in prayer and you're not giving God his time, you're like exasperated on the inside and you just want to get stuff out because you haven't had that spiritual bath. You know what I mean? Like you haven't had that time to just expel what you're feeling, expel what's in your emotional bank in your soul. And so you're just like, you're stopped up, you know, it's like constipation, like you're stopped up. It's like, you need to get that out. And so, uh, yeah, I, I just think, you know, it, it all comes from that prayer time where when you spend time with the Lord, you feel a release and you feel like, ah, oh, I'm clean now. Like, I, you know, I got all my whatever negative stuff out. And then when you deal with people, you're not so quick to open your mouth. Um, and I know for me, especially this year, I'm praying for breakthrough in my in my my oldest son. And I realize like God takes me back in my mind how critical I've been because I wanted him to be perfect. And so, um, oh God, I just have to repent all the time when I go to the Lord and just be like, Lord, I'm so sorry that I treated him like my son when he's your son. Yes, he's my physical son, but he's your son. And you don't treat me like that. You know, you don't talk to me like that. And it's not like I, I've never cussed him out. I've never, you know, done, called him names or anything. It's just always having this hard line of expectation where it's like, we don't do that. That's what I'll say. That's my favorite way to, to phrase a comment to him. Well, we don't do that. Well, we don't believe that. Well, we don't. And yes, it's okay to set parameters, but when that's your, when that's the highlight and the norm of your communication to your kid, they, and I know for me, that's exactly how I felt. I felt like I'm never, ever going to please her. I am never going to please him. <laughs> like there's nothing I can do to make her face light up and be like, you're great. You know, so I've had to go back to day one in terms of my mothering with him. So, but anyway, as we wrap it up, I just want to say thank you. Is there anything else you want to share, Jordan? Um, just that I'm in the same, in the same boat with, you know, that oldest child. It's like you're a project, right? Especially coming from a church background. Um, but something that God really revealed to me too is um, that I, I can't expect perfection from, in my case, he's eight years old. You know, I can't, it's not that, you know, he might know better, but he's still learning and still learning to hear the Lord and to, to develop discipline and all of that stuff. And so who am I to, like you're saying, to be so hard on him. So I love, I love that God's softening you too. Yeah. I, I feel like I have to go back to day one and just rebuild my relationship with him. Um, because it's been years of doing that with everything, with God, with sports, with keeping your room clean. And, it, and it's fine to have rules. It's fine to, you know, the law is not bad. It, the law is not bad. It's, it's when the law becomes the measure for love, you know? Um, and yes, I love my son, but when I'm going back to my bed at night and my body is spirit is, is agitated 
and I am not feeling love for my son, then now the law has been the measure that I go to love him. I love you because you did these things. And that's not how God treats us. And, uh, you know, maybe that's a good question that we can ask ourselves is like, does God do this to me? (laughs) Does God talk to me like that? No. So we will keep talking next week. Um, I'm going to hopefully guys have my audio set up. See, look, I've got, I'll show y'all. Bam. You can kind of see it, but I've got, I'm trying to not, I shouldn't say trying. I'm going to be more consistent. Thank y'all so much for listening to who told you. And if you would like any more information, reach out to me, DM me. I love you all. Goodbye.